really great as well. Okay, so we're going to dive in. We're going to be in James chapter 3. If you have your Bible or your device, uh, you can look at that. It'll also be on the screen. But I want to remind us where we were last week. We we're at the beginning of three, and Pastor Kelly did such a great job of helping us understand, understand the power of our words, the taming of our tongue. We, we talked about the fact that um, words carry great weight with them. And if I'm honest, I am a words guy. Pastor Kelly knows this. He's also a words guy. Uh, I just love words. I love reading. I love thinking about the, um, the etymology of words. I think all of these things, I think words are interesting. I know what you're thinking. You're like, dang, Thea is a lucky gal. She married a words guy who makes a pastor's salary. She hit the jackpot. But regardless of how you feel about that, I know that I like them. And I think to myself, things like great quotes really inspire me. Anybody love great quotes? Yeah, there's some quotes people in here. I love that. Um, things that just clarify the, the weight and the truths in this world in such a way that they just capture your attention. Um, now, I just want to say this before we move on. I like quotes, but I, I really like certain quotes. And so I know a lot of you are very generous. You bring gifts to your pastors all the time. I don't want like the cheesy quotes on the, you know, on the coffee mug. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, I like to live, love, laugh as, ever, as much as everybody else, but I don't need it on a pillow. I'm talking about the quotes that have real serious substance. Let me give you one that I've been thinking about lately. I've actually shared this with Mike uh, recently when we had uh, one of our last um, meetings together. It's actually from Maya Angelou. And uh, she said this. She said, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. For whatever reason, that has just been on my heart lately. That's the type of quote that makes you go, Okay, I need to consider the words that she is saying. Powerful words are a big reason why I am drawn to the Bible and specifically to the wisdom literature. If you don't know what that is, it's like the Proverbs and the Psalms, things that bring wisdom to your life. And oftentimes, those wisdom literature verses carry so much weight in such a short phrase. And I want to read one of them to you today to kind of capture the sentiment of where James is going. We'll get to that in just a second. He says this in Proverbs 16, 25, it says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. That is a powerful phrase, right? Because don't we often think to ourselves, yeah, I'm right. Right? We often think to ourselves, yeah, I'm getting it right. Now, I wanted to take a moment and just kind of toss out some hotly debated things that we obviously think we're right about, but we may be in conflict with other people in this room. Okay, so here's, yes, I know, conflict, that's what we're promoting here, I know. But let's do this fun exercise. Okay, first of all, when you're brushing your teeth, do you go water toothpaste or toothpaste then water? Who's a water toothpaste person here? How about toothpaste water? Well, see, we're divided, hotly debated. But you know what? You think you're right, don't you? You think you're right. Okay, how about this? Toilet paper on top or underneath? Okay, so we have, we have mostly, you know, right? Mostly we're there. How about 
when you put your shoes and socks on, are you a sock, sock, shoe, shoe, or are you a sock, shoe, sock, shoe? Okay, who does sock, sock, shoe, shoe? Anybody do? I, I feel bad asking people to raise their hands. How about sock, shoe, sock, shoe? Okay, we have a couple. See? We have a couple. Uh, pizza, do you eat it open-faced or do you fold it? Who's open-faced? Who folds it? See, again, not everybody is on the same page. You think you're right. How about when you cut a sandwich? Who's diagonal? Who's horizontal? Okay, see, again, we have plenty of division. If you eat mac and cheese, do you go fork or do you go spoon? Okay, we have division. And a lot of people who don't eat mac and cheese, you're missing out, okay? <laughs> Brownies. Corner? Middle. Oh my goodness, this is amazing how little we have consensus on these things. Okay, here's one that I think we're gonna actually have a lot of consensus on. Cereal, do you go milk first or cereal first? Anybody milk first? Okay, oh, no, cereal first? Okay. Cereal first, okay, all right. So we have no psychos in this room, thank you. I'm so glad about that. And the last one, how about iPhone or Android? All right, all right, all right. So we have no consensus. Uh, you, you Android people are wrong. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> Despite all of that, we have a very cool subject that we're going to be talking about today. And it is talking about wisdom. And we take this warning that's written in Proverbs about thinking that we are doing it the right way. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. We want to avoid that. We want to avoid that at all costs. I mean, of course, we think to ourselves, of course we're right. Of course we want to go sock, sock, shoe, shoe, or sock, shoe, sock, shoe. But when it's talking about life and talking about wisdom and has more weight to it that it says it could lead to death, we want to listen to what's happening. And so we're going to look at James chapter 3 verses 13 through 18 that's going to be on the screen you can read it in your bible james is going to address the difference between false wisdom and true wisdom so if you want to read along please do it says this who is wise and understanding among you let them show it by their good life by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, this section is full of really, really good wisdom. It's short, but it is bursting with wisdom, both against false wisdom and towards true wisdom. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a few minutes and just look at it idea by idea to see what James is trying to help us understand. So returning to verse 13, it says this, who is wise and understanding among you, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Wise people show that they are wise. 
Can you claim to be wise if you have no deeds to support this? James is saying, no, you cannot. He says, your behavior will support the claim and the type of behavior that will reveal wisdom in your life are good deeds done in humility. We are warned here to not be deceived by people with, you know, fancy words or claiming that they are wise but have no deeds to back it up. But instead, he says, look for the person who is doing good deeds. Look for the person who's doing them with humility and follow that person. Learn from that person. Adopt their behaviors. It seems, though, that rather than fixating on people who are doing good deeds with humility, we are distracted by these hollow deeds that come with great flash and pomp. Now, just before you think, just don't think I'm a hater. I'm going to talk about it in just a second. But I witnessed something that I never thought I would witness this week, and that was the NBA scoring record was broken. Okay, first of all, who does not care about that? Okay, I'm talking to the rest of you. Okay. I watched the game live. I was really interested. I've followed LeBron since I was, um, since he came into the NBA. He's about six days older than I am. I like to compare our lives to see how we're doing success-wise. That's my, uh, that's my problem, though. I, thank you. Thank you, Scott. I won't bore you with the details because most of you don't care, but basically what happened was with 10 seconds left in the third quarter of the game, LeBron breaks the all-time scoring record, an impressive feat, and the entire game stopped. If you were watching the game, like me, you were probably surprised that not just for a second or for a moment they stopped the game, but they had a 25-minute ceremony with... 10 seconds left in the third quarter. I mean, we're, if you've played basketball, you know that it takes longer, it takes about 10 minutes to cool down. And then you can't go back out there, and if you're as old as I am, you're definitely not going back out there without getting hurt, right? They took 25 minutes to celebrate this person who, granted, a very impressive feat, broke a record that is part of a game. Part of a game, right? And it's on national television. It's this whole ordeal. They have this big production that probably cost, you know, $50,000 to make. They have all of these people and celebrities there. Now, as a LeBron fan, it was cool. But what it is not is important. It's just not that important. In that same city, in that same city, you have hundreds, if not thousands, of unnamed volunteers with faith based organizations serving the poor, the homeless, the lonely, the downtrodden, and that is definitely not on national TV. Now, I'm not asking for it to be, but I'm using the example of the two to show you that what James is saying is don't get distracted thinking that this is the good thing. It might be the entertaining thing, but the good thing is going to be good deeds done in humility. Now, thankfully, I can say I believe that LeBron does lots of good deeds, okay? So I'm not trashing LeBron. I know LeBron's going to watch this on Facebook later, so I just want to make sure that he knows that I'm not a hater. I'm not a hater. But the warning in this section is important to know that the person who's doing good deeds in humility is the mark of a wise person, that you should find that person, that you should follow that person. The passage continues with verse 14. It says, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Now, these are the traits that are warning signs that someone is actually acting in an unwise manner, living an unwise 
life. And so let's look at each one. First of all, do you carry bitter envy in your heart? Now, envy and jealousy are actually closely related. We get these confused a lot, so I just want to clarify. Jealousy is the desire for something that someone else has for you to also have it. Now, that means that you're lacking in contentment, that you're not necessarily happy with your life. But, you know, scholars will say that a little bit of jealousy can actually be a positive thing. It can actually drive you towards wanting to achieve a similar thing. But envy is different. Envy is different. Envy is saying that you don't want someone else to have something just because you don't have it. Right? You don't want someone else to have success just because you don't have success in that same thing. And it's the bitter type of envy that he's talking about. It's the type where you're rooting for people to fail just because you're not happy, just because you don't have the same level of success. Now, I know that people all the time, you see you know, comments online or you hear news reports of, you know, people who are angry because so-and-so is, you know, supposedly good, but they're trash, this and that, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's the type of thing that, that James is warning us about, to not let bitter envy get into your heart because it leads to unwise decisions. It leads to a life that lacks true wisdom. Then he goes on to say that do not carry selfish ambition in your heart, closely related to envy, but still a little bit different, this one can feel a little less destructive than it appears on the surface. Now, should you not have ambition? Of course you should, right? We are designed to achieve things. We are designed to work. We're designed to produce. We're designed to achieve things. But we're talking about this particular brand of ambition that is closely related to envy where you are looking out for you and you alone. This is not the biblical kind of ambition. It's selfish. It's the type of thing that makes you do things like lie to get ahead or cheat somebody else to get ahead. And James is saying, don't do that. Now, it's sort of a natural thing, which is why he's addressing it. So it's something that we have to wire or get rooted out of our souls. And actually, I would say this, for those of you who have kids, this is why I think kids are a true gift from God in this manner. Because to be a good parent, now hear me say, to be a good parent, you cannot have selfish ambition. You cannot be selfish and remain a good parent. And actually, I would say um, you wouldn't even want to be selfish. You want to give your life up for your kids at times. Not all the time. Trust me. There are times I just want to sit on the couch and have them go away. Okay? <laughs> just go away. Right? But the majority of your life is lived in a way where you are not under the spell of selfish ambition, but you instead are making wise decisions marked by good deeds done in humility for those around you. Then it goes on to say, do you boast, do not boast about unwise behavior. I think this is obvious, but I think we can get fooled sometimes into thinking that the I am right feelings that we have are actually true or actually correct, right? I mean, we already made it a little bit of an example with the, all of the comparisons that I just made, but you wouldn't commit yourself to a decision if you didn't think it was the right decision, right? But is it always right? No, right? Even when we're most convinced that we are right, our feelings 
and our decisions betray us. So he's saying, hey, do not be boastful about these things that you are doing. You're already getting it wrong. Don't heap more onto the pile and be wrong and boast about it. Now, I think that there's a really funny example of this on TV. If you've watched TV and you've seen the progressive, the progressive insurance commercials, I'm really glad Matt's not here because he's a competitor <laughs> of his, but, but it's the ones where it's like the what really happened replay commercials. Have you seen these? Right? Like they're the one with the couple that are going camping and she's like, hey, did you pack the life jackets? And he's like, hey, you said you were going to pack the life jackets. She's like, you said you were going to pack the life. Right? And they go on and then she goes, she challenges it. Right? Throws the challenge flag. That's a football term for all of you who don't know. Throws it on the ground and then they bring this replay booth out and it turns out that he said, I would never forget the life jackets. And she's just looking at him like, you did say that you were going to bring, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, he was boastful about the idea that he was so sure that he said, no, you said you were going to bring the life jackets and replay confirmed that he was wrong. So what happens is when we do that, when we boast about, first of all, we make an unwise decision and then we boast about it, we get embarrassed, right? We get embarrassed. And sometimes that embarrassment can drive us to shame. And we don't want that at all. So he's saying, stay away from that. And then finally, in that phrase or in that sentence, he says, don't deny the truth. Don't deny the truth. Going down the rabbit hole of false wisdom will ultimately lead you to deception and lies. First of all, we lie to ourselves, convincing ourselves that we are right. Then we lie to others, and then we deny the truth. Meanwhile, the actual truth, God's truth, the biblical truth, is so good, and it's so important, and when you deny it, you miss out on the goodness of it. And just to make an example, I want to read, read two portions of Scripture that are going to speak truth to your life, that if you deny it, you're really, really missing out. The first one is this from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. You know what that truth is saying to you? God has a plan for every single one of you. He has a plan for you despite what you've done, what you've been through, how unwise you've been. He's got a plan for your kids. He's got a plan for your neighbors. He's got a plan for everybody despite the fact whether they know it or not. And it's good. He says he has good deeds that he prepared in advance for you. He just needs you to focus on him, to give him a chance to show you that he has good plans for your life. Don't deny that truth. The other one is this, Romans 8, chapter 8, verses 1 through 2 says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. That truth is good for you. It's good for me. In Christ, you are not condemned. I know I have felt condemned plenty of times in my life, but I come back to this truth, and if I don't deny it, I realize that Christ paid the bill for my sins, and I am no longer condemned. Let's not deny the truth. God has given it to us. It's good. It's gracious. It's loving. Why would you deny that? That is false wisdom. James then goes on to address the roots of these behaviors. What leads to, he says, don't do these behaviors 
And just so you know, here's why you shouldn't do them. Here's what causes them. Here's what grows them in your life. In verse 15, he says, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So first of all, he says, false wisdom is earthly. Okay, what does that mean? It means that in false wisdom, you are only concerned with the here and the now, lacking any perspective on eternal matters. How you spend your money, how you budget your time, how you uh, ration your affections, how you behave in your relationships, that will all be dictated by either false wisdom or godly wisdom. Earthly wisdom has no room in, in its way for generosity. It has no room for struggle, for pain, discomfort. It just wants all of those things to go away because what matters is feeling good here and now. But godly wisdom says that it's the opposite, that we have to think through eternal lenses, that we invest into the people around us because God does have a plan. And it might be a little painful or a little inconvenient now, but he has a plan. Romans 5 Verses 1 through 4 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Pervert perseverance character and character hope you see false wisdom says that these things are bad but God's saying no 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 sometimes it's going to be hard but these things actually build the good things up inside of you so first of all it's it's earthly that's what false wisdom is second of all it's unspiritual false wisdom is unspiritual it does not encourage you to consider the work of God in your life through the wooing of the Holy Spirit the partnership that God has established with us for the restoration of humanity did you know that God has actually said that he wants to partner with you in the good work of restoring humanity to its original form which was as we know in Genesis really good right and when we don't consider true wisdom. We forget true wisdom. We, we forget that it's spiritual. We forget that God is pulling on your heart. He's tugging on your heart. He's saying things to you that you know you're like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's what he's saying. I'm going to deny it though. And then lastly, false wisdom is demonic. And what he's trying to remind us here is that false wisdom is rooted in the very enemy who is trying to deceive you, confuse you, and ultimately destroy you. You see, the devil wants you to have false wisdom, and he wants to give you this false wisdom because he wants to destroy your life and everything good about it. And God is saying, no, I want you to flourish. Please do what I say. Listen to what I'm saying. Have godly wisdom. It's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. And then he goes on to wrap up this section, and then we take a turn for the good. Don't worry, it's not all bad. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So he's returning again against the warning of envy and selfish ambition, right? This is a callback. That's what we would call it in certain settings. And the author is just making sure that we understand how important it is that we do not have these things in our lives. To point us to the root of this problem. And if I'm honest, when I sat and wrote 
um, my notes for today's sermon, I sat back and I thought to myself, this feels familiar. That there's been so much false wisdom, selfish ambition has overtaken so many people that this disorder and these evil practices have come into situations where they are never meant to be, and it is destroying things. Say it however you want, but the sentiment is born out of the feeling that the disordered world and the evil influences that come from Satan are on full display sometimes, but thankfully, there is a better option. There is a really good option, and that's where James takes us with these last two verses. He says, but here is what godly wisdom, what real wisdom looks like. In verse 17, it says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, Then it says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So we have true wisdom. Godly wisdom is rooted in heaven. It comes from heaven. And it's for the believer in Jesus. And it means that there is something beyond this current reality that we should live our lives according to. So how do we know what this looks like? Well, the surest way for us to understand what true wisdom is is to read the Bible, to know what God has given to us, to put our lives on the foundation of the words of Jesus. And this foundation allows God to shape our lives into more and more of the true godly wisdom. It says this wisdom is pure, which means it comes from Jesus and his teaching. It's something that you can trust. It's not tainted, but it's pure. Then it's, uh, it's uh, peace-loving. It's not selfish or in conflict. It's considerate, meaning it's not leading to that selfish ambition, but you're actually considering others. It's submissive, first of all, to God and his instruction, and then to the community of saints. We're not just individuals, but we are part of something greater. We are a part of the family of God. True wisdom is full of mercy and good fruit. And true wisdom is impartial and sincere. The result of people living under this instruction of true wisdom is that they become peacemakers who sow peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Little by little, each and every day, making the world around them better each and every day. So I wanted to close by reading a section. Actually, we're going to read the entire chapter of Proverbs chapter 8. Because, and I printed it out. It's on a piece of paper that was on your seat. This is addressed, this is written as if wisdom were calling out to you. As if wisdom was a voice writing you a letter. And so you can just listen, you can follow along, you can read in your Bible. It's Proverbs chapter 8. But listen to these words and heed these words. Verse 1 says, does, does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, At the entrance, she cries aloud. To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, 
gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest with wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the, to the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles all who rule on earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of, the righteous, of, of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their, their treasuries full. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago, at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth but there were no springs overflowing with water. Before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any, any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in the whole world and delighting in mankind. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Returning to the first verse I read to us today, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. James is trying to warn us to not be deceived by false wisdom, but to obtain godly wisdom. The first step to doing that is to, to make God your God, to give your life to Jesus, just to say, God, I will follow you. It's to read your Bible, to find out what he actually says, but it's also to apply it, to be 
doers, not just hearers, to heed these remarks. And then you saw all the benefits. This is just one chapter in Proverbs that talks about how it's better than choice silver and fine gold, that how God has given us wisdom to build us up and to give us everything he's intended for us to have, all of the good, and he wants us to avoid all of the bad. This is good news for us. This is really good news. Will you stand with me? Let me pray for you. Then Jessica will send us on our way. God, I thank you for every person who's here, everyone who couldn't be here, their families. God, that they're, that they're feeling the peace, that they're feeling the joy, that they're feeling the weight of your grace and mercy. And so, God, I pray that they would receive those things, that they would buy into your wisdom, that they would not be deceived by false wisdom, that they would not do the things that lead to destruction, but God, that they would live their life in a way that chooses you, that chooses your wisdom, that chooses a way that leads to not just earthly goodness, but to eternal favor, to eternal time with you. God, I pray that that would be our reality today. In Jesus' name. Amen.